Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. morning. My name is Anthony Nemo, and today our text is James 3, 1 through 12. So if you have your Bible, if you want to grab that and flip over to that, otherwise the text is going to be up on the screen. And, and so as we read, if you would all stand with me, if you're able to. And again, we're reading James 3, 1 through 12. This is the word of the Lord. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put mitts into mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by very small rudders wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. And Lord, we come to you now and we commit this time as we look closely at this passage. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint Pastor Josh as he speaks. But Lord, I also ask that you would prepare our hearts to not only receive, but also be ready to change. 
that as we go through this text, Lord, you would help us move beyond belief and really honor you with this tongue that is so difficult to tame. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Honored that you would start your week off here by worshiping with us at Quad City. I want to say welcome to those of you who are tuning in online from whenever and wherever. Thanks so much for joining us. And welcome to those of you out in Prescott Valley this morning. Thanks for uh, being here. Well, we're continuing in our series, Beyond Belief, a study uh, through the book of James. And we've made it to chapter 3. And this text is one of the more familiar texts that we know as we've walked through James, and it's all about the use of our tongue. If there's one thing that we humans do a lot, at least me, it's talk, right? It's a part of being human. Like we communicate using words. And God actually created us this way. Like he created us unique amongst all his creatures, made in his own image. And just like God communicates using words to reveal himself and his purposes for the world, so too we communicate using words. Like, just think about it. Talk fills our day from start to finish. We wake up in the morning and we talk to ourselves. I know I'm not the only one who does that, right? We're planning our day out, right? We turn on the TV and listen to sports talk radio. We check an email. People are talking to us. We show up at work. We talk to our employer, our employees. We talk to our kids. We talk to our spouse, our friends. We talk to buy food, at least at the places that still employ humans. But that's a talk for another day, right? We talk about our problems and our family. We talk about music and the good book we just read, about politics or whatever our weekend plans are. We talk about our hobbies and our interests. And of course... We talk about the weather all the time, right? Like our lives are full of words, the use of our tongue. And what James says is he's going to diagnose a problem, a huge problem. See, the tongue that God gave his image bears to reflect his glory and accomplish his purpose in the world is being used to cause serious damage. That the tongue, when ruled by a sinful heart, is a reckless evil that wreaks havoc on the world around us. But there is hope, a great hope, that our tongue, our mouths, the words we speak, really our entire body can be made new. It can find redemption through God's glorious work in Jesus. So before we dive into our text, let's pray together. Uh, Father, we're grateful for your word. We do ask that it challenges us to Uh, change. Father, that's the the point, God, that you give us your word to see the areas in our lives that need to be transformed, God. And this is one of those. And so we pray, Father, for your spirit to make it very clear today what we need to do. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, James starts in verse one and says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. It says we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never a fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. It's interesting that James starts here. This is how he starts. And again, it's not that some stumble 
and others don't, and the ones who don't stumble get to be leaders. That's not how it works. Like, as a leader and a teacher, I am fully aware of my shortcomings and the way in which I stumble and my desperate need for the grace of Jesus each and every day. I think James is trying to point is that, that the most mature Christians still stumble. And I think the warning is we'll all will be judged by that. But teachers, that's even more especially true for those whose primary role in ministry is carried out by the use of their words. The pastor's words are meant to edify and build up the church and not to tear it down. And I know for myself and the rest of us who call ourselves pastors here at Quad City, man, I know it's a very real caution. I know we take this verse very, very seriously. And so the question is, why start there? Why would James start with the leaders? And I I think it's because more than anything, the church is to imitate the faith of the pastor. That's what a couple texts say. Look at this one. In Hebrews 13, it says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And what does he say? Imitate their faith. Verse 17, he keeps going. He says, have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So this text reminds us, right, that our leaders, we should be imitating their faith, and that has to do with the words they speak. Again, Paul says something very similar in 1 Corinthians. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So for us as followers, man, we have to ask ourselves for our leaders, Are they imitating Jesus? And if they are not, they aren't people worthy to be followed. Like they should speak words of life and truth and goodness and compassion. And so we've got to ask ourselves, those who claim to be pastors, not just on a platform, but with their lives, are they actually representing Jesus? And so for James, there's a really clear standard. You have to be very careful with your tongue as a leader, but I It's not just the leader. James shifts in verse two. Again, he says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. For James, he lays out the goal really clearly. He says we're to be perfect. Like it's all about perfection. It's all about becoming more like Jesus through our words so that other people can know God more truly through us. Like when we're able to keep our mouths in check, he says, when we're able to do that, it reveals something deeper in us. James says it's actually, when we can control our mouth, it actually means we can control the rest of us as well. You see, our tongues reveal a lot. The problem is though, most of us, we hear this word perfect and we go, well, I can't be perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. So we brush aside any attempts to fulfill this, but we shouldn't. Like our goal should be to represent Jesus and reflect Jesus in all we say each moment at all times. Like as followers of Jesus, we should want to be perfect. Perfect in how we speak, to represent Jesus. And when we aren't, it should bother us. 
So for you, how much do your words reflect God's character? What impression does your speech leave on the people who you interact with on a daily basis? What would your wife, your husband, what would your kids say about how you seek to bring glory and honor to Jesus with how you speak to them? If James assessed our social media comments, how spiritually mature would he find us? You see, because we have to be honest with ourselves, in this day and age, our tongues are more than just this muscle in our mouth. They are also those fingers that we type with, right? And so wherever we cannot control the use of our words, there you will find spiritual immaturity. And it should actually really bother us. And so James lays out this very huge goal. Church, strive for perfection. And then James is going to lay out the problem of why we can't. You see, James is going to remind us that the problem of our tongue is destructive when ruled by sin. And that the further we are from Christ, the more damage it causes. Again, it's crazy because the tongue has a disproportionate power. Like it's really small, but it has a disproportionate power for good or for evil. That's what James hits at with these two examples. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Something so small in comparison to all the other parts of our body, yet powerful like the ability to control a massive racehorse running down the track or that massive cruise ship that we see in the ocean. Our tongue, though small, have power. James keeps going in verse five and says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Well, us here in Northern Arizona, we know about this, right? Here in a couple months, it's gonna be fire season. And we know even the most unintentional spark can set off a huge blaze. And the scars of it can be seen for years to come. But that's what James is saying, right? That the tongue has power, credible power. And that power can be used to accomplish good. And some of us, we know that, but also when ruled by sin, it devastates our humanity. How it keeps going. Again, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the other parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Again, James tells us that our tongue, when corrupted, it sets the whole, like all of it, all of it, whole course of our life on fire. It impacts all of it, like every a bit of it. So I'm married to someone in the dental field. And two times a year, I sit in that horrible chair and I have to open my mouth. And I know that my wife can tell instantly if something is wrong with my tongue, something's wrong with the rest of me. She just can. She's been trained to do it. You see, that's how it is with our talk and our speech and our words. 
they reveal something deeper going on with us. This is just what we see. This is just what we hear. And it makes sense because that's what lines up with Jesus, what he says. He says, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. It's but what comes out of their mouth. That is what defiles them. You see, our words are guilty of leaving this stain on our entire lives, ones that we can't hide from God. James tells us it sets the whole course of our life on fire. Like everything is impacted by it. Again, the tongue's propensity to spread evil over all areas of our lives should be a caution we take seriously. Because we know the further our speech is from Christ, the more damage it causes, not just for us, but for those who are in our sphere of influence. Remember what James told us back in chapter one? And then the first time he's talked about our speech, he says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Worthless. Your inability to keep a rein on your tongue reveals that what you say, you don't actually believe. And he says it's worthless. It's garbage. You might as well just throw it in the trash. But he goes on, he says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know how I can tell if you're polluted by the world? What comes out of your mouth? We can tell. We have a, a, a thing that shows us. Our mouths are kind of like our check engine light that something is going on with us, like that's what we have. And so when we have others near us that they can call us out in this because this should terrify us and frighten us. Worthless, no good, empty. So what's the solution, right? Try harder, get the cuss jar, put it on the desk or probably in the car for most of us and put a dollar in it every time we say that curse word or better yet, Maybe it's like some of you experienced, your mouth was washed out with soap, right? For my rebellious ones, how'd that work out for you? What I'm guessing is you learned how to speak one way with your friends and another way with your family, right? Because it is really hard to tame the tongue. Like, it's hard. Look at what he says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human, no, none, not a no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poisons. Well, that's it for the day, right? I guess that's it. See, James, it's actually not my fault. Like, I was made this way. There's nothing that I can do, so we should just pray, end it here, and call it a day, right? That would be a great excuse, but we know that's not true, right? Because see, there's two things we're going to do. First, we're going to look at Jesus. Jesus, in his perfect humanness, showed us that it's actually possible. And second, God needs to do something in us to change us. So first, Jesus, I love this text. 
It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, he committed no sin and no deceit was found where? In his mouth. When the herald insulted him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Everywhere that we are unfaithful with our words, Jesus was faithful, right? And even in the moment when everyone was hurling all of these things that you're guilty, you've done all these things and he is innocent. And in our minds, we justify ourselves because we always want to respond. We always want to speak up. We always want to say, but no, 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 no. Jesus stayed quiet and didn't speak. And that was for your salvation. You see, because he knew that the judge would justify him. See, the death, the burial, and then the resurrection was the justification that proved that Jesus was, in fact, innocent of all of the claims against him. And that's why he sat there and said nothing because he didn't have to, because the judge gets the last word and he trusted in that. And then it reminds us that by his death alone, he took the punishment that we deserved. By his death alone, we're now freed to live for righteousness, even righteousness with our speech, I tell you all the time, righteousness is about God making all that is wrong right. One of the most wrong things in our society is how we speak to each other. God longs to make that right. And he says, I I do that. I do that because of what Jesus has done. For God to do that, he's got to change something in us, something deep in us. And that's what James, I think, is getting at as he finishes out the text. He said, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. I feel the heaviness in this. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You see, for James, as much as it's the words we speak that are a problem, the tongue, yes, an instrument of wickedness, it's actually something that's controlled by something else. It's controlled by our heart. Look what Jesus says in Luke 6. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. How is pause? Because it's huge. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You see, my heart is actually the issue. My heart is full of evil and wickedness and sin, and so is yours. You see, it's my heart that's full of anger and hate and lies. And same for you. That's what's feeding the words. My tongue is just how I give words to what is actually going on deep down inside of me. You see, our hearts and desires, they then guide our tongue, which then has a massive impact on everything, for good or for bad. You see, our tongues just reveal who we actually are deep inside. 
We claim our hearts belong to Jesus, but our tongues would like a word with us. Because they say something else by how we continue to speak. And so James is what he's saying is as much as a fig tree can't produce olives or a spring can't produce both fresh water and salt water, neither can our corrupt hearts truly reflect God's character. But, and it's a huge but, but thanks be to God who has raised this dead life and dead heart to new life. The scriptures tell us that God replaces our heart of stone and gives it a heart of flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, the old is gone and the new has come. That God does something in you to actually change you from that old way of life to that new way of following after him. That he begins to put the, the likeness and image of Jesus in you. And so who, that's who you want to follow after and be like. And then in God's infinite grace and his infinite goodness and his infinite kindness, gives you the spirit to empower you to actually live that out. You see, the reality is, is we cannot do this. Verse 8, no human can tame the tongue. So God says, I got to change something in you, and then I got to empower you. And he gives us the spirit to live in us that produces the fruits of the spirit. And guess what one of the fruits of the spirit is? Self-control. If we would learn how to control the way in which we speak, it could change the trajectory of our lives. That's what God has done for us through Jesus. That's for those of us who are believers. This is what we have access to. It is no longer an excuse to say, you can't do this. He's giving you everything you need. You just actually have to live it out. And see, what happens is when our words, the words we speak, write, and type, actually come to the full submission of Jesus, some incredible things happen. Number one, we can take every thought captive. So it's not even that I type that thing and delete it. I don't even type it in the first place. Like I catch it before it even gets there. It allows me to speak truth in love to edify my brothers and sisters. Did you read through this book of James? Three or four times he gets on the church because they're talking to each other in a way that is not how believers should be talking to each other. And we just carry it on 2,000 years later. Like we should stop. Why are we attacking each other? We are brothers and sisters. We should speak with gracious and fitting words. When my speech is fully surrendered to Jesus, it allows me to preach the good news of the gospel to those who need to hear it the most. I don't do that if I'm left with this heart of stone. But because God has changed me and produces in me, you and I now get to speak the good news of the gospel to people. How incredible is that, right? If it's actually surrender to Jesus, it allows us to take this source of evil and turn them into instruments that move people to praise and bring glory and honor, not to us, but to God. Like that's what happens. That's what God has done for each and every one of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus. So where does that leave us? Four things. First one is this. Confess and repent where you failed. So if your words, and they are, are a meter of your spiritual maturity, where does that leave you this morning? Man, I know as I've wrestled with this text for the past few weeks, like it has left me devastated. 
because it's shown me the true depravity of who I am. That's a good thing. You see, it's then that I place myself before the cross and beg for the grace and mercy that God willingly gives. And it calls me to confess and to repent where I'm not miss, where I'm missing the mark of perfection. And so I confess to God, but I also, I got to confess to others. That's why we're going to keep beating the drum for you to be in a group. You cannot do this by yourself. Other people need to hear you speak. They need to hear you talk. And they need to be able to call you out on that. And you need to come and confess and have people pray over you and to hold you accountable. And some of you in here, your heart has not been given over to Jesus. It's still wicked and evil. Your step today is actually to fully and first surrender to Jesus, to have him take that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, to make you a new creation. Because the source that is feeding it now you have no hope. But he says, I can change it. So we got to confess. The second is we got to get to know the Father's character. You see, we won't really know how to speak unless we truly know God, unless we know what he's like and how he uses his words to bring life. Genesis 1 said there was chaos and God spoke life. That's the God we serve. How much of our words, though, are chaos, not life-giving? Right? And so we have to know about that. But the problem is we don't know. So how do you know? You open up the word and you read it and you meditate on it. The psalmist says that I store up the word in my heart that I might not sin against God. You see, when I begin to put that in, that's what comes out is what Jesus says. The good stored up in my heart for out of the heart, the mouth, speaks. So for some of you, you just need to put better things in. Third one, I think maybe the most important and probably the hardest one for a lot of us, if we're honest, is we need to be slow to speak. So this idea of spiritual formation, which is the process of becoming more like Jesus for the sake of others, one of the ways in which we can do that is by slowing down that little mechanism in our mouth. So Jesus knew when to be quiet. He knew when to be silent. For some of you, I say this with love because I say it to myself, we don't have to talk and share our opinions about everything. For some of us, we just need to learn how to keep our mouths closed. Right? It's a little kid thing. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. A lot of us need to speak at all because we just, we get ourselves in trouble. We need to actually learn how to slow down. And again, we've been given the Spirit of God to help us learn self-control. Like Jesus, I don't have to justify myself. God justifies me. He's the judge. My call is to follow him. I don't, I don't got to fight for him. It doesn't mean I don't speak up. It doesn't mean I'm not telling people about Jesus, but I don't need to try to self-righteously justify myself before others. God does that. And last one you got to stay mindful of final judgment. In James 6, he talks about this, verse 6 there. He talks about that our tongues cause this corruption of our whole body. And it says it sets our lives on fire like the fire of hell. He's talking about final judgment. And again, Jesus talks about this. He says, I tell you, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every 
empty word they have spoken. I don't know about you, man. When I see something like that, every word, every, like when I stand before the judgment seat of God, he will ask me, what did you say? And he will hold them up and I will have to give an account. And so will you. We'll have to answer for those careless words we said in anger. We have to answer for those hateful words we plan to say. All those empty words that take life. You're going to have to answer for that. It makes sense because Proverbs talks about this. It says that the tongue has the power of life and death. Like what we say matters. You see, for some of you, you know the power of the pains that have come from the death. For some of you, your dad says something to you that you've never forgotten. It's shaped and changed how you operate still to this day. It's what you think and believe about yourself. Or a teacher, or a friend. They told you were worthless and no good, and you believe it. That's how you still live to this day. But for some of us, you've spoken words that have brought death. You know very, very real what that's like. You've spoken death into the lives of others with what you've said. When you told that spouse you hated them and you wanted a divorce, you know the death that it caused. When you said to your child that you just can't do anything right, or you're so much like your dad, you know the death that has crippled your kids with. Or how you told your friend or your family how worthless they are. We as people have inflicted havoc on people and wrecked people's lives by the pain we've caused. But just as much as we've brought death with words, we also know the good, the life. We've been the benefactor of the life we've received from words. For some of us, it's the hope that we received or the encouragement that we received from a parent or a coach, or a teacher that to this day is the thing that you reach back and grab. That when you hear the lies of the enemy that tells you you're no good and that you're worthless and you're never going to amount to anything, you remember those words spoken to you in eight or 10 or 12 and say, no, 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 just you matter. You're glorious. I love you. You're worthy. It's become the foundation that your life is built on. You know the power of the words of life because you've experienced them. And my hope is, is that you've also experienced being able to give those words of lives as well. Lives spoken to your wife or your kids or your mom or dad, to the neighbor who's come over to you and told you about how that devastating news has wrecked their lives and you've been able to pray for them. And they said they find healing in that. That's what our prayers can do. Or as you sat in front of your one, and you've been able to tell them about the good news of the gospel, and you see the chains break off of their lives. You've been able to literally speak life to people. You see, we know, both by the wreckage and by the foundations in our lives, the power of our words. Question is, with your words, which one do you want to give more of? Life, or death. 
Do you want to be somebody who causes more hurts and habits and hangups in others? Or do you want to be somebody who actually builds foundations for people that they reach back into for all of their life? Because don't forget, one day you will be asked to give an account for all that you've said. You don't get out of that. I want Jesus to look at me and say, Josh, you gave way more life than death. That's what I want for you. I just want us to actually be able to get to the end where we say, man, I've I've breathed life into way many more people than devastating people's lives by our words. I want us to be the people who actually move beyond just saying we believe to actually living it out. And living it out by speaking life. God looked down and he saw chaos. Man, our world is full of chaos. We have an opportunity to speak the life of God into people. I want us to be people who take that. As we close today, I want to give us a chance to respond in worship. James says, and I think it's the highest thing we can do, that with our tongues we can praise the Lord and our Father. Man, we realized that we were a mess. Yet God in his goodness sent his son Jesus who made a way when there seemed like there was no way and was silent. And then God resurrected him. And then God says, I can take your life and make it new. Man, if that's not worth thinking about, man, I don't know what is. And so I want to give you that opportunity just to respond to tell God how grateful you are of all that he's done for you. Let me pray for us. God, I'm overwhelmed by your goodness and your grace. God, we do confess where our lives have missed the mark of perfection, where we've not lived up to the standards that Jesus set before us. God, my hope and prayer is that we have way more life-giving words from this day forward than death-taking words. So God, do a work in us. What needs to change, God, let us, let's really change it. The Spirit, God, Spirit, you, you live in us, you empower us. God, may we just rely on it. There's no excuse. And with you, we can develop, control, and be the people, God, that we're called to be. God, we're grateful that we get to stand and sing and respond to your goodness and grace and mercy. So let's do that right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.